Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for the Marketing Matters show. This is actually episode number six. So I am your host, Daniel Alvarado, and I am the CEO of White Trick Media and Acclix. And today I am joined by Jim Hedger. Thank you so much, Jim, for joining us today. Uh, Jim is a writer, webmaster, SEO, and social activist. He has worked in it since opening a cyber cafe in Victoria in 1996. So that's quite the story. We're going to maybe ask you a little bit more about Jim. So uh, before we go ahead and uh, get started, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and how you're doing this this morning? And well, I'm doing great. Um, how to say, I'm Jim Hedger. I have uh, been working in digital media for 23 years. I've been working the internet since uh, 1996 when I opened a cyber cafe. There's a, a great story behind that. I'm actually a social worker by trade, which is why I opened a cyber cafe. Again, a story goes with that. Um, I'm the owner and operator of Digital Always Media, a 15-year-old digital marketing agency. Um, it was actually, a, the agency was formed to service a global-sized financial client. There was uh, three of us at the beginning. I'm the last one standing. Um, that was 15 years ago. One ducked out for career opportunities. The other had a stroke. This happens when you're in an industry for decades and decades. Um, and now I primarily work with a company based in Detroit called Brand Labs, um, working on name brand, uh, large corporate websites. Um, I focus on SEO and I'm the host of a podcast called Webcology that's been airing every Thursday. Uh, a new episode gets, gets recorded, um, since 2007 or six. Wow. Somewhere around there. How many episodes do you have? Uh, we have, I think, over 900, but there's only 800 some odd up at the bevy of podcast distribution places um, because there's episodes that got lost when web... It, it was, originally, I was with a network called Webmaster Radio that was uh, okay. formed by uh, Darren Babin and Brandy Shapiro Babin back in uh, 2003, I think. Um, and that network transitioned through the years and when its its business model actually failed when when COVID happened, um, so the core business model to, to 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 keep a online destination radio station slash podcast network going, uh, that that was all about going to conferences, glad handing, getting sponsors, and being there as as a participant. Um, that fell apart during COVID, so Webmaster Radio fell apart, and a whole bunch of episodes got put over there somewhere, and no one's quite sure where they are. Well, we'll maybe find them at some point, right? They'll maybe come back. I don't know. Uh, you know, I've, I've lost things in the past and uh, I, I always sort of have a dream that I'm going to find them back. Like I had the original iPod um, and my grandma used to store things for me. Like this was her way of actually protecting my things. And then she would eventually like months after would, she would reach out to me, she would tell me, hey, I had this stored and logged away for you. So to this day, I still dream that I'm going to find that iPod original and my grandma's going to reach out to me and say, hey, here it is, have it. And then I'm going to have a collector piece, right? That would be pretty cool. Today, most of our most of our things are actually digital recreation of things. And, you know, Grandma Google used to keep stuff for us. It used to be, or it has become really good at keeping stuff for us. But this is back in the days when she had no clue where to put anything. Good. And, and so tell me a little bit more about this transition. So you've been in the industry for so long. You've seen so many changes by now. Is anything the same or close, similar to what you were doing maybe 10 years ago, like when it comes to SEO? Yeah, um, a lot. It's funny, with the more things change, the more things stay the same in, in this industry, because 
at the end of the day, it's all about information distribution and matching the best document up with uh, whatever the, the searcher is looking for. So um, there are best practices that remain the same. Uh, uh, the way you use language, the way you, you, you place words on a page, the use of titles and, and meta descriptions. Um, but more importantly, there's a philosophy that's remained the same, which is describe everything you can as much as you possibly can. We just have different tools to do it now. Before we used keywords, now we use uh, schema markup. Everything at the same time has changed. We live in a um, artificial intelligence-driven reality. Um, everything is we, we live in an acceleration culture, and everything is moving much faster year after year after year after year. So uh, rapidity of change is incredible. I mean, if, 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 if you're a follower of, of, of SEO or of uh, all things Google organic, look what they did last week. They probably the most sweeping set of changes to how they're going to constitute search engine results and, and, uh, and, 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 and create a search engine results page uh, since, since, since like 20 years ago, the Florida update, which coincidentally also happened on November 16th. Good. And let me, let me ask you this. What is... Um... What does it look like for you and for your agency or for SEO experts out there that how do you stay up to date with all of these, you know, breaking changes that happen? I spend the first two, two and a half hours of every morning reading um, and then um, sitting in SEO forums, talking back and forth with colleagues. Um, there is a network of um, people who've been in the industry for a very, very long time. We talk to each other all the time. Um, we all came up together and there's kind of this weird sense that we helped invent an industry. And so we, you know, have our own forms that we talk in. Um, and there's webmaster world. There's the, the great form webmaster world. If you need to know what's happening in, uh, in search, check out webmaster world because it's being talked about there. And do you guys have a lot of similar opinions in regards to where to go? Or do you guys find that you have a lot of disagreements here and then they're actually kind of reach uh, a conclusion it's hard to say um there's people who try to follow the algorithm and there's people who try to listen to what google tells them and create good content and create good web pages and just trust google to do the rest um and nice if there's going to be an argument in seo that's where it would be the um chill out create good content, create technically good websites, and uh, let Google do the rest side of the argument tends to win, A, because it's infinitely easier, and B, you can't chase a moving ball. The algorithm's a moving ball. You're never going to catch it. And even if you did, you're like a dog chasing a bus. What are you going to do once you figure it out? Um, they're going to change it the next day. Yeah, that, that, I, like, I like that approach. And, and so where, where do you at? Where do you sit on that? Are you the guy that's going to do just the content and you know just focus on doing that? I, it almost feels like it would be that way if I had to take a guess, especially from how you enter the conversation and saying that the more things change, the more things stay the same. Because it, it sounds like some of those principles of just focusing on creating really good copy and focusing on the technical part to make sure that it, it, it all lines up nicely. Is that where you sit? That's actually pretty much exactly where I said. I think, um, number one, get the technical side of your website worked out. Google has to be able to read the content to judge the content. You have the best content in the world. And if Google can't crawl your site or can't crawl that content, um, it's, it's useless. Great content. So get the technical stuff worked out first. And then, yeah, the content is what 
Google's there for. It's certainly what the users are coming for. They want people who are coming to a search engine have something they're interested in. They, they want to find something. They want a question answered. Your job, the job of an SEO is to anticipate what those people might want and to create content that, that helps meet those needs. If you do that on a good website that provides a good user experience and is technically fast, you're probably going to have a good experience in Google. I was just going to ask, like, can you elaborate maybe a little bit more on what would make uh, some of that technical part um, for, for somebody? Like, what are some of the common mistakes you see when you're bringing on um, some new clients or, or new, new pages, for example, subsites and things like that? What are some of the common things you see that, that really need to be top of mind when it comes to addressing these things? There's a lot of knowledge out there about what is important in SEO. Google has, has a measure of um, website speed called Core Web Vitals. Don't never let engineers name stuff, but they call it Core Web Vitals. And um, one of the Core Web Vitals is called Largest Contentful Paint, the largest object on a page, how long it takes to load and then and, and to become uh, uh, fully usable inside of the area that it's loading in. That's often the largest thing that's loading on a, when, a, when a page is, is first coming up is often an image. Inexperienced webmasters are told to defer loading those images to save time so that only the text loads and the page becomes useful and um, is uh, uh, available to a user um, really quickly. The text loads much faster than images, and they use a process called lazy loading. If you do that with the main image that is supposed to load within the viewport or the area that, that, that you're looking at, that won't trigger until the very end of the loading process. So you're in fact doing what you think is the right thing to do on a cert on one image, what we should be doing on, on a whole bunch of other ones, will destroy your website. That's a technical point. Don't lazy load your hero image. If there's SEOs out there who understand that language, don't lazy load your hero image. That's the number one thing I see on major corporate websites that keep them from beating smaller competitors. That's an interesting recommendation because I think you're absolutely right. Like when we've done audits and site audits, that's the first thing that's, that's going to come up. Like people haven't resized the images and then you see high millisecond low times on those. Um, and then obviously, like you said, I think that the most intuitive thing you would think of is, okay, well, why don't we actually try to load that towards the end? Uh, so it's, it's actually interesting that you would say that. Is there another mix, misconception like that? Any, any other cool tricks you have under your sleeve that you want to share with the world? Well, yeah, Google is a you remember uh, five years ago, um, Google noticed that over 50% plus one of its searches were, were, were done on a mobile device. So it adopted its, its mobile first strategy. When it did that, it stopped caring about the lower end of the page. I mean, it cares about the content down there and it, it, it reads it and, again and, it, and it judges it and all that sort of stuff. But it really, really, really cares about the stuff that is loading inside the mobile viewport. So imagine your, your, your cell phone, especially if it's a Chrome device, uh, especially if it's a Nexus Chrome device. You've got a viewport of about yay big. Google cares about the content that's loading in that viewport. It really incredibly, monstrously cares about that content. Get that content right first and worry about the stuff that comes underneath it. Um, most, I think most uh, people think of websites as something they look at on a desktop. And um, especially, especially older SEOs, um, I'm, I'm, people of my generation are completely guilty of this because cell phones are still, in, or smartphones are still a newfangled thing. Google doesn't 
look at the desktop. Google looks at the viewport of a mobile device and how quickly things load. Because again, most people are walking around asking a question. They want an answer quickly. They don't care what's the what's in the content below. I, I have a question for you that ties nicely into this. And I like that you're technical because I'm technical too. So, so we're on the same page. I, I'm an engineer first, more so than a marketer. So so I was I was I was passionate about marketing because I like being creative, but I am at principle an engineer and I'm the, te the technical guy. So do you find that the people that are going to excel at SEO are going to be more of this technical side or more on the creative side? And as a follow up question to that, can we describe the perfect SEO team perhaps being a combination of people more so than a single individual? The answer to the second question, which I'm going to get to more in a second is yes. Um, to the first, that's really tough. I think an engineer who has extraordinary, extraordinary language skills, um, and, and strong research skills makes a good SEO. Someone who is like incredibly meticulous, but can see the structure in the back of their mind and knows what they want to build and why they want to build it that way. Somebody who's able to read other people's schematics and understand this means that. And again, somebody who is able to do that research every morning you need to read uh, for a couple hours. If you don't, you're going to miss something. And if you miss something, that's what your client is asking about that day. It happens every time. Trust me. Um, so yeah, I'd say the engineer who again, has great language skills, research skills, and is meticulous about, um, well, everything. What, what is your background, Jim? Actually, I'm a social worker. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that was so long ago. That was so forever ago, like three decades ago. I was, a I, I, I went to school to be a social worker, but, um, that didn't work out so well. I, I worked with, uh, high, high at risk street kids. And, um, one summer ended up going to three funerals, um, three different funerals. And after the third one, I went back, I lived in Victoria, Victoria, British Columbia, beautiful place. That's, uh, as close to, um, summer all year round as Canada's going to get. And, <laughs> it's it, it is sunny. Uh, unlike Vancouver, it's actually sunny and it's, it's a wonderful place. I'm surrounded by mountains and ocean. And so after the third funeral, I came back to uh, the place I was staying. Um, number of roommates. I didn't care which one was home. I was just drinking this very big bottle of wine with one of them. And it happened to be the uh, network technician, the guy who helped set up networks in people's offices, who, who was there, uh, Gary. Um, he hated his job as much as I suddenly hated mine. And we got drunk together on a beach and had the really good idea that we ought to open a cyber cafe. And so we came up with the underground on-ramp and a month and a half later had opened um, Canada, Western Canada's first cyber cafe. That lasted 18 months because we were horrible business people and even worse restaurateurs. Um, but we did the internet well. Um, and, uh, but then high speed came into people's homes and competition drove us out of the market and stuff. And, um, I discovered you could mess with, um, web pages, um, and make them come up higher in search than in, uh, than, 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 than their competitors, if you did it right. And, um, a fascination was born. I love that. I, I think, uh, it, it sounds like a lot of that was obviously self-thought and did you, did you actually pay for any sort of like learning as you were going through your career and bringing that up or it was all just re free resources available and then trial and error and experimentation? No, I was really, really lucky. Um, I got paid to learn SEO 
by, I, I'm generation 1.5. Um, there was a small group of practitioners, people like Bruce Clay, um, Danny Sullivan had, uh, had already created, um, what became search engine watch and has now turned into to search engine land. Um, uh, uh, Heather Lloyd Martin and, uh, there was a number of original SEOs and there was one in Canada named Ross Dunn. Uh, I had just gotten married, came back from a honeymoon and needed a job really bad, saw a thing in the newspaper for um, the field that I was already really interested in. And uh, it was, I went and met Ross in a cafe. We hit it off immediately. And the next day I was working for him. That was 1999 or 98, somewhere in there. And um, uh, we've been... Again, it's been a daily learning experience um, and also that. creation experience because that was at the very dawn of the industry. Right. It's such a such a lovely story. Again, yeah, you know, again, I'm sorry I sidetracked on that, Jim, but I just love to know personal stories around people. I think uh, it, I'm, that's something I'm very passionate about, about learning about people uh, in addition to how that story that they have connects to their professional experience. Right. So I, th I think that's something really cool to me. So. Now we spoke, and, and I think this connects very well to our original actual first question on the agenda, which was, we, we've talked about how things have changed maybe over the last 10 years, or what hasn't really changed, right? And what has been some of the foundation that contains or, or that remains persistent right across the board in terms of creating good content, having a fast website, in this case, obviously prioritizing mobile, but that's been for a while as well. Um, so now moving into next year 2024 what do you expect will change if anything you know because we've talked about maybe some tools being available and having a lot more control over uh statistics or for example in this case with ChatGPT and bard you know now or, or jasper and other content creation tools and things like that so now it's evolving and that's growing um there, there's a lot more going on in regards to tools available. So moving into 2024, what are a couple of things that you have in mind that, that you think we'll be seeing as changes? Um, I mean, the obvious answer, AI, everything, um, AI in our tool sets, AI in, um, the philosophies of how we create content for, uh, for Google. Barry Schwartz had a, had a neat, neat piece in search engine Roundtable this morning. Um, Google Bard can now understand YouTube videos. So, Bard can now understand, Bard will be able to parse this conversation. And as the viewer is going through um, uh, uh, the marketing the, the, the marketing shows podcasts, they'll be able to read what we talked about, a, a transcript of what we talked about, because Google Bard is able to, to, to listen to and transcribe and then, you know, obviously paraphrase our, our, our conversation. That was this morning. Um, so yesterday, Google Bard couldn't do this as far as we knew. This morning, now it can. Tomorrow morning, we're going to hear a whole bunch of other stuff that um, artificial intelligence can do. Something about constituting a board of directors or something. I don't, I don't know. Um, OpenAI, I have to for that, that's the funny thing about about uh, talking about contemporary events on a podcast. Uh, we just mentioned the OpenAI AI saga, um, acceleration culture. They they solved their problem in three days. Um, <laughs> so AI is going to be a component of everything. It's going to change how our tools work. It's going to change how we work with our tools. Um, we're going to we're all going to be um, infinitely faster at creating things um, now. 
how useful are those things is another question. I was, what I was just going to ask that. Like, is that is that for good or for bad? Right. Both. Both. Um, the uh, the steam engine good or was good or bad. Gasoline in cars, some really cool spiffy results, but also some pretty terrifying ones. And when, when at the end of all things, um, good and bad and everything. AI is much is much the same like gasoline in cars. We are going to move forward so rapidly. Um, we're going to have a completely different relation. Our, our kids are going to have entirely different relationship with professional careers than we had. Uh, people who are of the millennial or, or Z generations, that generation, um, are going to have a completely different relationship with debt than people of my generation or the boomers ever had. Um, and that's really sad. That's also going to be caused by AI. We're going to, I mean, transition of how we ourselves work is likely going to start happening in 2004. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that people are pushing for guaranteed annual incomes in whatever jurisdiction you're in because a lot of professionals are, or a lot fewer professionals are going to be needed in 24, 25, and 2026. Um, these are the lawyers who write contracts, the doctors who do prescriptions and then di and diagnosticians, et cetera. Um, and that's going to have profound effects on the consumer world. And uh, people are still going to buy stuff. It's um, how we're going to market to them. And again, in the search world, how that marketing is going to appear to them on their phones, um, on their computer screens, on their watches, in their earbuds, uh, increasingly in their video and audio streams. Um, and it's going to be the role of SEO to phrase things on the page in, in, in content and also in, in, in the technical realm, describe them in the schema so that the machines can, can, can know what they're what reading or listening to and and um, catalog categorize it properly. That's that's going to be how our jobs start to change in, in 2024. A much greater emphasis on technical and really tight descriptions. I was just going to ask, like, do you think you're going to have to ward you know, everything differently now being mindful of conversational searches, right? Because um, let's say, for instance, in voice searches is now a lot more predominant than maybe it was before, um, especially now with at least Bing has has done it a lot more uh, than, than Google in this case, which is, for example, to open Bing chat to, to you know, the organic results. So like, you know, when you're typing in, it's, it's almost a conversation that you're having with the search engine. So have you already started seeing some changes in the way that maybe you write or, or that you create descriptions and that you create schemas uh, to accommodate for this? And what are some tips you have found? Well, um, I don't think it's changed the way that I've that I'm writing yet, although I'm using AI in the um, foundation of a lot of writing now. Um, okay. If I, I have this one one client that has fifty thousand product pages, I'm not writing fifty thousand individual descriptions. It's just not going to happen. Um, that's that. I mean, incidentally, um, ask Google. That's a completely appropriate use of AI, as long as it helps describe what the user's experience is going to be better, so that you know, the little precy comes up under the, and underneath the uh, blue link search result. Should there be a blue link in 2025, um, the user knows where they're going. Okay, no way, generate. So in, in, back to, to the previous question, think about uh, the search generative experience um, and writing for it. 
Um, it's funny. I, I, I wrote that same client I was just mentioning. I wrote them a, a letter this morning um, after seeing um, Barry's letter, uh, Barry's article in uh, in Search Engine Roundtable this morning. Um, when you're writing, you're going to be um, using quick description. The H1 tag is going to become a lot more important because information is going to get drawn from there. Um, and you're going to want to phrase and um how to say this you're going to want to phrase your co your content as if it's a question and you got to ask the question without it being a question on the on, on, on in the content because you know users find that find that find that 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 dull um you got to write the content so it phrases the question in the sentence and then answers the sentence answers the question directly after um, anyone who's a fan of Lily Ray knows that she's been um, beating the drum on um, EEAT, experience, uh, expertise, authority, and trustworthiness. Um, those are ideals. They're not metrics. You don't. There's no points for any of those that, that Google keeps, but they're really important ideals when you're creating, when you're uh, creating content or when you're trying to push ideas on Google. Um, Google is looking for people who've used the product people who are experts in making and um, determining use for the product. Um, when they say authority, they're talking more about um, the links coming into the, uh, into the website, like your link footprint. Is that an authoritative? Are they trustworthy? Are they cool? Trustworthy is not necessarily are your links trustworthy, but is your product and your message trustworthy? Does your um, information that you're putting out in a schema jive up with the information you have on the page. You say five stars in schema. Are the user reviews actually giving you five stars? Do you have user reviews that are really made by users? And are they available for search? That's the trust trustworthiness stuff. You're going to get you fact-checked. Yeah, you get fat. Yeah, absolutely. But if you keep that in mind, experience, expertise, authority, and trustworthiness, then um, uh, uh, the content you create will be more likely to meet Google's needs. Um, and again, this is really important in the AI world because Google is, again, trying to answer user questions. For Google, the user experience is, did they walk away getting what they wanted in as few steps as possible? So this is why Google loves putting your information on their page. Um, you have, uh, scores of the ball game on your page and that's, that's how you make your money by giving people box scores. Google wants to publish that themselves. You make money, um, uh, booking hotel rooms for people. Google wants to have that on their front page. Um, there's a whole, and it's, and again, it's not because they want to steal your industry. I mean, they do, but it's not, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is they want to give their, their users a faster experience. Um, there's just a lot of collateral damage while they do it. I have a question here if I, if I can interject. So, so we've talked a little bit about how some of the search behavior is going to change. We've talked a little bit about how you could potentially see content evolving to be more about answering questions in this conversational uh, world that we're going to get into, you know, moving forward, how potentially even the search results page could change to be more again on the chat world or through generative. 
um, and how we can use tools to to create more content, especially for larger sites like you know your client who has fifty thousand, and, and we have to deal with that sometimes as well when we we're working with e-commerce clients that have a big catalog and things like that, um, or when you're working with um, companies that have multiple locations, for example, as well, and things along those lines. So uh, we've talked about a few of these things that could move into twenty twenty four as changes. Have KPIs for SEO changed as well? Like, are, are you seeing that certain metrics matter more to you now? And, and how do you typically measure that? That's, a, that's an interesting question, given that KPIs have changed dramatically over the years. And there's different eras of um, Google's evolution where different KPIs would be, would be of interest to, to digital marketers. Um, right now, I everything is about traffic. If you look at Google Analytics 4, which is a slight change from uh, Universal Analytics 3, um, you get two types of uh, traffic measurement. One is user acquisition, the other is traffic acquisition. User acquisition you're interested in if you're tracking individual users, you get them and you can you can you know ascribe their um, their events their event actions as they move through the page. I'm more interested in a 40,000, uh, 30,000 foot view. I'm interested in traffic acquisition. Where did they come from? Are they from Google? Are they from Yahoo? Are they from an email? How did they get here? Um, uh, uh, so traffic acquisition is really, really important. What did though that traffic do? What are the user sessions worth on average? Is that growing? Is that decreasing? Um, again, GA4 gives us um, a slightly different view of um, activity on a, uh, on a website, and one of them is event tracking and revenue tracking. So if your key conversion events are moving in a positive direction, excellent. And uh, Google Analytics 4 allows you to define um, key conversion events that specifically called events. Um, and if they're going in the wrong direction, then um, you have some some granular work to do, digging around and, and figuring out why. For technical SEO, you spend most of your time in Google Search Console. And um, there you're really interested in clicks and impressions. Impressions are the number of times uh, a organic search result comes up against any number of uh, keyword phrases or... or uh, keywords or phrases and uh, clicks are obviously the number of times a user looks at that impression and chooses to click on it um core web vitals are an important measure of google's perception of the health of your website scoring amazing core web vitals does not mean you're going to rank well but scoring horrible core web vitals means somebody else will probably rank better um somebody who has a better user gives a, yeah. uh, a better user experience. Um, I'm really interested in uh, Google's crawl activity. If you make a number of changes to your website and you look in uh, in settings and search console, you can see Google's crawl activity. And if you see them corresponding to your changes, you know that you have a really healthy relationship with them in in that in that website. Um, so that's something I'm always curious. Um, if I know there's a whole bunch of changes I can made uh, uh, within a week, I want to see 
some healthy crawl activity because that means Google's hitting pages and coming back and visiting regularly, moving through, having a good experience. And a craptastic crawl experience tells me there's something technically wrong with the page somewhere. So that's a big warning bell for me. Um, and then there's, I mean, then you use um, Ahrefs or Sitebulb or uh, 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 SEMrush or, or whatever. Um, oh, sorry, SEMrush or whatever to uh, to, uh, score whatever um, or measure whatever technical, granular technical things you've been working on. Um, keep the page from moving around, cumulative layout shift, and keep the page loading quickly. Those are the ones that Google are most interested in. There's going to be a new one coming in March that will measure how quickly the page responds to the first interaction a user uh, a user um, has. So user clicks on something. Okay. How long does it take the page to, to respond to become useful after that click? That's going to be a new measure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how important that's going to be, but Google is making a very big deal of it, okay. and they're warning us ahead of time. So I suspect it'll be an important. An important it must measure. mean something if they're giving you such a heads up. Well, I mean, Google does a whole bunch of stuff, and that six months later doesn't. Um, does anybody remember um, Google's various social networks? Oh my uh, gosh, yes. Google Plus most recently, but there was several pretenders before that. Um, and so and so sometimes Google gets webmasters to conform to standards that it really, really badly wants and then decides it doesn't want them anymore. But you've had your clients could go do like, you know, thousands or more dollars worth of work. And, uh, you know, you have to smile while you explain to them that we're going a different direction now. It's a necessary evil, I guess, to a degree, right? I mean... Machines change, and they're yeah. that Google and their engineers are inventing this as they go along. Um, that's something we got to remember. Twenty-five years ago, this stuff didn't exist. Um, interesting. Uh, that you you can take a search engine, you can build it up, make it totally amazing and spiffy. You can crash the damn thing into the ground and rebuild it again. In in uh, January, Yahoo's coming back. Um, with a, a whole crew of, um, well, of actually of, of SEOs who helped rebuild it. Um, so there, there was a point going back to Google with being able to crash into the ground and rebuild. I think maybe they might have to learn about that. <laughs> um, Google's embarking on a number of changes it thinks are important to uh, to its future. One of which seems to be a more social networky search engine. And again, every time Google's dipped its foot into that territory, something doesn't work very well for them. Yeah, yeah, or or us either. That's true. Yeah, because we we have to kind of get along with that ball. So that's uh, we'll we'll see what the, what twenty three four brings for us. But I I don't know about you, but I'm excited. You know, I think one of the things that I like to do here for for our agency and for our team is like we love to experiment. So. Um, it's there's something fun about trying out new things and and even if the experiment fails I think to a degree there's a good learning experience within that so as long as you're tackling experiments uh, with that with that in mind that that there is no real waste of time and uh, you know again with, with certain <laughs> with, with certain budget in mind of course but uh, it's always fantastic to be able to use that as an opportunity to figure out what not to do in, in a worst case scenario. And then again, you can teach it to the rest of your team or, or to whoever you're, you're, you're 
able to communicate with. So um, I, I think we're kind of almost at a time here. You know, it's been such an amazing time talking to you, Jim. So w one question that we have as our, as our signature, we have a podcast question in the Marketing Matters show is, what is one valuable lesson that you've learned throughout your career that you would absolutely want to pass on to the audience? Cultivate your networks. Cultivate your professional networks and your friendships. And when doing so, remember, it all goes by so fast. So keep cultivating them. Keep in touch with people. Um, you are your best referral network, and so are your friends in the industry. Go to conferences, meet people, and be part of the great Rolodex that is the SEO industry. Um, work your networks and do it early and keep on doing it. The people's world, isn't it? Well, the internet that you know, the internet connects all the people. So, um, you know, people can do whatever they want way the hell up there. We're working down here in the trenches on the on the keyboards, and we are our own best friends. Absolutely, I love that. I think that's fantastic, and uh, I I love to I'd love to be able to maybe meet you sometime in, in Toronto. You know, I I might be going to Montreal and then to Alberta. So. You know, who knows, maybe at some point I'll visit Toronto. I've heard nothing but good things about it, so I must imagine it's it's beautiful. It's a wonderful city, and I would love to come visit you about two and a half months from now. Uh, yeah, especially in the cold, yeah? Uh, you can bring in that. We can, we can take you to the beach and go sailing and fishing and things along those lines. So, uh, Jim, before before we close, one thing I'd love to, to be able to give you is a little bit of time to maybe uh, let, let the viewers know where they can find you, uh, any website, social media, or anything that you'd like to shout out. The biggest place you can find me weekly is Webcology. Go to Google, Bing, Yahoo, when it comes back in December, or in January, um, DuckDuckGo, or any search engine. Type in Webcology, and you'll come up with a gajillion hits of uh, of this podcast that we've been doing. Um, that's me every week, me and my, my, my co-host, Christine Schackinger. Um, I have a website, digitalwaysmedia.com. I haven't really, I don't really care about it. I'm one of those guilty people who has a SEO career, but completely doesn't care about their own website. Um, I can't tell you the websites you could actually see my work on because they actually belong to another company who I, who I do contract work for, but you can go to brandlabs.us and look at their client profile and see how well they're doing in search. Um, but no, there's not a, a, a the ones, the big things I'd like to plug are search engine roundtable, search engine journal, and search engine land. The three sort of pillars of the information environment in SEO. Uh, read them every day if you're if you want to get it if you want to have a good, long, and healthy career. Read these those three every day. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jim, and thank you again so much for your time. Thank you to our viewers for. You know, kind of bearing with us for as we extend a little bit, but it was just such a fantastic time be speaking with you, Jim. Like I could, I could go on for ages here. So, um, and to everyone that's listening, always stay tuned. You know, you can find us on social media at AtClicks Tool or on our website at AtClicks.app. In um, for those that are SEO and are interested in potentially finding a new tool and trying out a new tool for getting search console data, SEM rush data, analytics, GA4, all combined into a single. Uh, report you guys can try out at clicks for free for 30 days uh, or you can dm me if you need uh, any assistance so thank you to our viewers have a fantastic day thank you so much